Better People Podcast. I'm Margaret Urick, and I have with me today Erwin De Leon, the Chief Diversity Officer with the with Columbia University, the School of Professional Studies. But hold on, that's just one of the hats that he wears. <laughs> He's also a full-time lecturer in the nonprofit management program. So Erwin, so happy to have you with us today. Well, thank you, Margaret. Happy to be here. Delighted to, to be talking to you and your audience. Well, before we jump in, and I'm always so excited to just get going, um, can you please just share, and I know this is going to be hard because you have a vast and, and very varied <laughs> background, but could you just share with our listeners what it is that you think would be really helpful for them to know about you? Oh my gosh. How long is this podcast? <laughs> you know, it comes with being someone <laughs> it goes with someone be, being around for some time. Well, the short, I think, what would be helpful is the fact that for three decades I've been in uh, management and leadership positions in both the for-profit and the nonprofit sector. And I do have a couple of degrees in management. So I've, you know, there's the theoretical, but more importantly, the practical knowledge where I've actually been led by others and have led others and I've been managed by others and have managed uh, projects and people. So because I do make a difference between management and leadership, but you know, that's a lecture. This is the professor talking out, talking here. Um, but I think that's what it is. And, you know, I, I think more than anything, uh, I've learned a lot in spite of, you know, what you can learn in a classroom. I think my best lessons are from actual working and working with people and, you know, what I shouldn't be doing <laughs> as a manager and leader, uh, as someone who, you know, let's just say, uh, had to go through certain bosses. <laughs> uh, so that, that to me, is as valuable as what's learned in the classroom, quite, quite honestly. Absolutely. All right. So I do want to ask you about that. Uh, something that you said a moment ago, I want to get into because as the um, talent development and um, the, the managing director at MEA, right, for talent development and coaching, I, I manage our everything leadership for MEA. And that is always a question. I should say always. It's often a question, right, that gets pondered amongst the people I'm working with or, or my peers in this space. And that is the difference between leadership and management. So I know uh, you said that's a whole other lecture, but how would you... <laughs> quickly uh, define the difference. Wait, let me get my PowerPoint and go through that. <laughs> no, I mean, it's at, at the most simplest, right? I think um, all leaders are managers because you have, you do have, if you will, certain tasks or certain goals that you have to meet and there are processes and procedures to do that. So management is getting projects done, right? Or meeting deadlines or what. That's as simple as I, I can put it. Leadership is beyond that, right? So, and number one, and important, and most of you know this, most people know this, you need not be a manager or have the title to be a leader, right? In any organization. So that's number one. Why? Because if you're a leader, you're able to motivate others and give others a, a vision or a purpose of why are we doing what we're doing, right? And I've seen where I've been in teams and maybe... I'm that leader where we're meaning where, you know, uh, uh, the manager or whoever's heading the team knows where we're headed. Like, okay, we need to increase sales. We need to do this, but doesn't really inspire or provide a certain vision or purpose to the rest of us, right? Who are following this. Now that for me is a manager. Now you can have uh, in an ideal world, the CEO would be a leader, a visionary. That's usually what's expected. But what I find out, what I found out from experience and just observation and talking to people 
is that there are folks with the big titles who don't necessarily provide a vision or the purpose and thus mm -hmm. don't necessarily you know, uh, give the fuel for people to keep going beyond the paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it phrased once that if you have, if people will follow you, you're a leader, right? Yeah. Like if, if you follow, you're a leader, whether title or no title, right? If you're able, if people well, want yeah. to follow you, uh, you're a leader and, and, and it's because of how you are and it's what you do and, and it's how you inspire them and the vision you have. And mm -hmm. I think also uh, the the commitment you have to others, the the care you have for others, um, that's all goes into to being a leader and people sense that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I was about to say, I know you have an, you had an earlier podcast on servant leadership. Mm -hmm. So I suggest folks listen to that again, because I'm a big fan of the concept. Right. The idea as a leader is that you're there not to be in front of, but to be behind your team and your people to support folks. Right. So I personally um, ascribe or try to uh, be a servant leader in whatever way I can. And so for me, that is the ultimate way of being a leader. All right. Now let's get to that other juicy thing that you talked about. <laughs> <laughs> and that is right. Um, how you've learned from all the leaders that you've had, the good ones and the bad ones, right? Yeah. So you learned what to do as well as what not to do. So uh, what's something that you learned uh, that, you know, obviously didn't sit well for you. You didn't like it. And so now you're making a point not to do it or or to do it, whatever it is, but you're, you're doing the opposite of whatever that was. Sure. I mean, a couple of things come to mind and I'm sure a lot of your listeners, this would resonate with them, would be micromanaging. Oh. So... <laughs> And, I, you know, particularly, I get it, like, for those of us who like to be in control, you want to know what's going on. But I've learned the fact, like, my own style of management is pretty straightforward. I'll be, I'll try as best as I can to be very clear to my team, okay, who's going to do but what by when? And if there's something in particular that, in a particular way that I believe it should be done, then the how. And then I let them go. Right. And my only request is that if there are any setbacks, what let me know ahead of time. But otherwise, do it whatever. Now, it's not to say that I'm not tempted to micromanage, but I do hold back because I realized that it used to really get me and I became less productive, right? And resentful as the one who's being micromanaged. Another thing that comes to mind is not being consulted or not being asked. Right. I mean, even about my own future about or asking me, you know, it's great. And in, in a weird way, Margaret, it's it's one of those where it's a situation where it was actually good, right? Because they were planning my future, right? And it's it's good. But maybe ask me first if I want to do that or take that on. <laughs> so so those those are a few. And and in a way, the more serious and, and sad would be just. You know, treating folks unkindly, you know, and people forgetting uh, that we're all people and putting putting the goals or whatever the targets are ahead of people. And listen, yes, we do have to meet those goals. We have to meet the target, but those targets. But if you're if your your team is not behind you, you ain't gonna meet it, right? So those are just a few things I think that I've learned of, um, you know. And there's so many. I mean, it, it, you know, <laughs> it will come. 
I mean, like, you know, the longer you live, the more lessons you start, you know, you accumulate. Um, when we were talking earlier, you shared um, one of the things that you really value that came out of a learning experience from a leader that wasn't doing it so well was transparency. Yes. Yes. What is yes. that? Well, how does that show up for you? And what do you do in that area to make sure that you're you're doing a better job of it? Sure. I think um, so. And transparency could be a number of things, right? So from just being clear, guess what? The company is about to sink. <laughs> you might, that, that, that we didn't talk about that earlier, but there's that kind of transparency or also, you know, what's going on with a you know, with this larger picture that really would impact. Uh, employees and all that. But what we're talking about was more um, as a middle manager or someone who's caught uh, between, if you will, those above them. So if there's another boss or the CEO and then your own team, right? So so to to give an example, um, I precisely because I'm a big fan of transparency and actually from my experience and the literature is out there that people actually prefer transparent leaders and transparent CEOs, but particularly for middle managers. And if you're out to really inspire and motivate and get your team to follow you, I really am more, I'd rather be honest with y'all and just say, listen, so one specific example that happened fairly recently was that I just had to tell the team that look, fact of the matter is we don't have enough resources to do what we want to do. And this is specifically with a DEI initiative, right? And so, and I thought that was fine (laughs) and handy until afterwards, because part of, uh, you know, a lot of the corporate and even nonprofit DEI initiatives are really manned and uh i I shouldn't say man but (laughs) are staffed by see by the way as a side we we're all learning and correcting ourselves so uh but we 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 are you know it's usually volunteers right to do a lot of the dei work so i i just had to put that context because it's very uh it has a lot to do with the context so here i was being honest and just saying like hey you know the reality is this is all we have so and i was more like because I am results oriented. It's like, so what can we do with this resources? And just matter of fact, well, the chair of the voluntary committee later on said, you know, Erwin, I get where you're coming from, but, you know, I don't think that really motivated people if ever it might have discouraged folks. So that really made me reflect about, okay, I was being transparent about what's possible, but is this one situation where, you know, I, on hindsight, I still think I would have been transparent, but the delivery might've been different. Right. Yeah. I I think in this situation, because sometimes one, I've been, (laughs) I'm big on another big thing about getting feedback. I'm open to it, even if I cringe and I really don't like being evaluated, but I think it's important as, you know, as a leader and a manager that you get feedback. Uh, but so I've gotten the feedback that I tend to be sometimes too blunt and too straightforward. Um, and I think this is one of those situations where I'm not saying I, I, I shouldn't have been transparent, but maybe I should have the tone and the way I said it. And as this really wise chair of the, the volunteer committee, again, volunteer said like, you know, Aaron, you got to understand folks are doing this on their free time and maybe say first about the good stuff that are being done and then like, yay. Anyway, so that's, that's one example that I can think that's fairly recent. 
So if I heard you correctly, um, you still believe transparency is the right way to do it. It was just maybe you would have tweaked it a little bit. Information you still would have shared because you think that's important. But yes, yes. I, I will not. I still believe transparency is important. But as with anything, you know, it's really dep- depends on the context. Who are you talking to? Right. And of course, of course, there are certain things that you shouldn't say, right? Like, you know, like you can't tell, although now in New York, we have transparency laws around wages. But one thing I learned, don't tell everyone what the next person's making, (laughs) right? Because unless, you know, the company is ready to deal with that, because that's one thing that's very transparent. Or, of course, there are confidentiality issues. So I'm not talking about that. But I'm just talking about being transparent where it will affect the, the the work that's being done by your team and your team per, uh, team members personally as an individual. So those are things where you just have to be transparent because again, how will you fulfill uh, your your mission or your goals if you don't know all <laughs> what's in front of you, right? So the other thing we talked about, and and you're you're alluding to it a little bit, I think, with just this story even, and that's that tension that exists for a middle manager, right? Or that balance that that middle manager needs to have, yes. right? They have they have their team that they're uh, managing, leading, responsible for, and then they ha- also have a boss and there's just a natural tension there. So what does that look like for you? Or what have you learned from that tension that you have felt through your years? Oh my gosh. Yeah, um, it's always a difficult situation to be in. I I think um, the best we can do as middle managers would be, well, as best as you can when you, even at the beginning, and this is one of those things I said earlier, you know, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? In certain situations, if I had known this, I would ask as many questions as I can at the very start, like once even before I'm hired or if I'm running the company and being promoted, being asked like, okay, aside from the job description, right? Like what exactly are we doing here, right? Like, you know, what what exactly uh, are the expectations of me or the team? So for instance, um, even going into, when, when I talk to other DI colleagues, right? So folks who do this work, and, you know, it's not easy work, as you've probably heard. And, and the thing is, this is not unique to anyone. Most of us jump at the opportunity to do it because we realize how important it is. But my advice is, before just signing, yeah, let's go, mm-hmm. to really ask the leadership of your organization, why are they doing this? As an organization and as individuals, right? And by the way, it's not because you're going to go out and transmit that to anyone else, but so you know where you're standing, uh, where you're coming from, and what you're having to work with. So corporations and organizations are loath to admit this. But after 2020, fact of the matter is a lot of corporations, nonprofits, you name it, suddenly like, we need to do something. So it, in a way, it is a checkbox. In a way, it is performative, right? But of course, what we say to the world is like the higher values, which is fine. 
But if you're going to be the one leading this, particularly as a middle management and not a C-suite person, which as an aside, I believe it should rest in the C-suite. But if you are an HR person or someone who cares about this middle manager who who's asked or decide to take it on, mm-hmm. you know, just be sure you know what you're getting into. So that includes knowing where is the organization as an organization, why are they doing this? And then secondly, the, the leaders, meaning the ones who ultimately controls the purse strings and operations and everything like, are you really into this or is this a checkbox? Because I guarantee you that will determine mm-hmm. how much or what you will have be able to work with and how far you can take any initiative. Yeah. And I, I love that because I know, you know, you're talking about, um, I, I would say what I, I believe you're speaking uh, about DEI initiatives right. and organizations that take on these initiatives and some are really passionate and want to do it and want to do it, uh, you know, a hundred percent, the whole way, all nine yards and others are doing it as a checkbox. So key for the person who's been charged now with rolling this out or who maybe even said, Hey, I want to roll this out is just to understand where their senior leaders are with it. Cause that's going to help them know, as you said, how much support they're going to get, how many, you know, what's the resources that will be made available to them. Um, I would say it's what's going to let them know how much of an uphill battle it's going to be to do it. <laughs> uh, but but that's for, as you just said, right? That's also for any initiative, right? Exactly. Not just the, yes. uh, if you have, if you haven't garnered the support necessary, whatever that is in your organization, you will, it will be a struggle to roll out whatever it is you might want to roll out. Yeah. And, and, and I have another example for you. Um, I'm putting on my data analytics class hat now, but even rolling out new technologies, right? Or new applications or new, you know, you're really excited, you know, particularly now we keep them talking about AI, but as an aside, we all know what that means, but putting that aside, right? They say like, oh, I'm really excited with this new platform or software or app or what have you, or even upgrading, you know, and, you know, the parts that we may say, yeah, go have at it. Same situation, right? But do they mean it? Are they going to, you know, show you the money? Are they going to have? So you're absolutely right. It's it's beyond DEI, right? But it's, I guess, what it is uh, at the end of the day. If you are, uh, and I encourage this, it's always good. And, and as a leader, it's nice to see folks who take the initiative, right? It's mm-hmm. a good thing, and I think, and in a way, it keeps your your work interesting, right? And if you really care and passionate about something, whether it's DEI or technology or or getting new markets. Absolutely, have at it, but make sure you do. I always say, I, I just say this: just pause, take a scan, <laughs> take a scan of the organization, know who the players are, know what what the bigger picture in the organization, and what is the mission. How will this fit in? How will you make your argument? You know, so just being realistic. Um, so, so for instance, just I teach a, a capstone class, and what it is is basically. So we, ours is a graduate program. And at the end of the semester, I mean, the, at the grand, um, end of the program, students get to work with an actual client, an organization, and they actually sort of like consultants. And I always tell them, you know, no pie in the sky ideas. Your recommendations have to be realistic. And w- one of the first things they do is to really understand 
deeply understand the organization, the environment, and the market. And so I'm just sharing that, maybe because I taught the class last night, but also it's it applies. It applies whether you're talking about an entire organization or an initiative that you're very passionate about. Well, and I think you just said uh, exactly what I was thinking. It um, When you're really passionate about something, uh, it, it sometimes you don't take all of those steps to really do the research, to understand where people are at. One, maybe, could, and, well, all right, I'm speaking for me personally. If, if something, if I really want something because I'm really passionate about it, I don't want to know if there's people out there that don't want to do it, right? Because I just, I don't want to know that there's potential blockers. I just want to move forward 100% and just make it happen, get it done. Um, and, and so we don't always take the time. But then what happens is you get frustrated because you do meet with that resistance that's out there. And so way better, time, do that research and, and yeah, know the field you're playing on so that you know how to, you know, what moves to make. You know, Margaret, I'm just, you know, if I were here, I'd give you a big hug because A, I know how that feels, but yeah. also as, as, as someone, yeah, who does tend to get passionate about things, but I guess it comes with age and being burned more than once that I've realized that in a way, it will work against what you want to do, right? If you're not being realistic and and it will burn you out and worse, it will burn your team members, right? So here you are very passionate. You get other folks with you, but then you hit the roadblock and you realize, oh, you would have known that if you did your homework, right? And this is hard to hear, but maybe you'll realize that if you really, really care about something, then maybe this isn't the place to do it. I'm not saying that then maybe, okay, maybe now just stay on. But at some point, if that passion comes up and it's nagging, then you listen to yourself. If it keeps going on, then maybe it's to go somewhere else, right? (laughs) Yeah, and and you know what you're saying? It's really just, um, oh my gosh, just like giving yourself some control over the situation. Yes. it, this information that you uncover through your research, when you find out really what you're dealing with, it does create an awareness for you that you didn't have. And awareness creates choice. And yes. maybe the choice is, it's okay. I, I am very passionate about this, but I can scale down my passion and I can fit in the mold that right. will work here. Or it's not, and I need to go somewhere else or just find another outlet. Because I think that's always an option yes. too. Outside of the organization, maybe there is, uh, you know, a nonprofit out there that needs your support, right, on a volunteer basis, and you could uh, express your passion there, right? But you first need that awareness, that knowledge you need to know, and not operate, you know, from blind passion like some of us sometimes do. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I don't want to discourage that because that's where real change happens. Uh, It's folks who really care deeply about something to do something about it right and not just not just like something or you know whatever but one thing i would just want to pick up on uh what you said about control right i think because one of the ancient wisdoms that you know you've probably heard about and i think is very important is that be be very aware of what you can control and cannot control and sometimes even with the best, you know, you have your spreadsheets, you have your data analysis, you've done every year homework, and this is just on your own. And you realize, okay, I'm going to go for this, but things still happen, right? Things still happen. The person, your champion in the C-suite might move on. (laughs) 
or 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 a pandemic happens or economic downturn happens. So I think part of it is like, you know, enjoying the process where, and, you know, channeling your passion to getting all your data together, whatever, making your, your value proposition to, to the bosses and then getting, you know, getting it done. And you know, you've done your best, but also no, <laughs> it might not. Right. It, it, I'm just adding that again, because I've learned a lot of my disappointment you know, it is is it feeling like I, not accepting the fact that certain things I cannot control. I can't control what what the market does. I cannot control what the stakeholder meetings. You know, all that. You can control what your employees do. You know, Correct. yeah. There's peace in learning to let go of the things you can. <laughs> Hard, but I'm still trying. I'm still trying. <laughs> it is uh, a lesson that I have set for myself and that I'm working on because, yeah, it's it's true. So, yeah. Well, uh, this has been an awesome conversation. I feel like you and I could talk all day. I feel like there's a whole bunch of things we could, <laughs> could dig into and spend time talking about. Um, but let me just ask uh, uh, one final question here is, I guess, what is something that you're really, ex- well, let's let's go with the passion theme because we were just talking about that. What is something that you're really passionate about now, like today that you're working on or hoping to work on, hoping oh, to make happen? Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's hard to pin down. But I think on a personal level, um, it's more just living a good life right getting a you know it's i know it sounds very philosophical but 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 just you know doing my best and i think it's part of getting older too and realizing accepting things uh about what i can do and cannot do but one thing that's always been a theme or a passion of mine uh since uh, early adulthood, but blame this on the Jesuits who raised me. I went to a Catholic boys' school and college. Was this sense of service for others, and I think at the end of the day, that's really what motivates me. So whether it's in the for-profit or non-profit, it's always how can I be of service, or how can I make knowing what I know and what I can give, what can I do? That's really cool. Well, Irvin, thank you so much for spending time with me today and for this conversation. It's been great. I know our listeners are really going to enjoy it. Uh, Would love to keep talking with you. Uh, So we'll have to make that happen at some time. I know, um, you know, I think we have a lot in common. We can, uh, uh, like I said, talk forever. So, but we should end this today. I know you have other things you need to do. So I'll just thank you again for spending time with me. Well, I guess if we must. Well, <laughs> thank you, Margaret. And to your to your listeners, thank you so much and all the best. Thank you for listening. We hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. Before we go, we want to thank the sponsor of our show, the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association, more commonly referred to as MEA. MEA provides human resources services to hundreds of businesses across numerous industries every day, bridging gaps that restrain innovation and growth. If you need support around people issues, reach out to meainfo.org. Better people, better outcomes.